Brett, how's it going today? Pretty good. How are you, Ange? Good. Well, that means it's another episode of Money in the Bank. Welcome back. So we are still running our giveaway for our 50th episode that's coming up. So basically, if you go ahead and review our podcast or share our podcast with anybody and then send me a screenshot and just email it to me to prove that you did it at Angie at moneyinthebankpodcast.com, you're entered to win 50 bucks, which I think is pretty good. I would take that. Like That's a minimal amount of work for me and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll enter that giveaway. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, so many giveaways are like, win this thing and like, no, it's just cash cash money cash money you can go out to eat you can pay off some loans or you can invest some money right speaking of investing are you ready for your trivia question uh i always am all right so what percentage of americans are invested in the stock market either by buying individual stocks or mutual funds or through a retirement account such as a 401k or ira I want to be very specific because sometimes you complain that I'm not specific and that's why you get them wrong. Yeah, you're always trying to trick me. Um, okay, so in this one, you said Americans only? Americans only invested in the stock market basically in any way, shape, or form. Okay, so um, I would think like more, like anybody in corporate America probably has some investment in 401k, right? So, um, but there's also more people in rural America than you think there are. So uh, I'm just going to split the difference and say 50%. How about that? You're right. I'm right? You're right. Oh, wow. Okay. I'll take it. I actually was really surprised by this. Yeah, actually, my, my, my original inclination is to say every person that I know basically has some involvement in a 401k or works a corporate job or, you know, has invested in some kind of stock sometime in their life, right? So, you know, that I would have said higher than that. It was my original guess. Yeah, and I think, you know, maybe because we're from Michigan, a lot of people used to work for GM and everybody had GM stock options at one point. Um, but in corporate America, you know, you, you would think most people had a 401k. Retired people, you would think with their, you know, retirement plan, they still have some type of mutual fund because they want to, they don't just want to like, you don't just retire and take your pile of money and hide it under your pillow, right? You have to like at least keep up with inflation. Um, and then outside, or, you know, they might have an annuity and with an annuity, you're invested in funds. So you're, you at least have mutual fund exposure. Um, and then, you know, the, the other thing I was thinking of, though, that probably brings it down is there are people in corporate America who elect every single year to opt out of free money by not participating in their company match. Well, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of those people. I mean, there's also a lot of small business owners and things, though, too, that, um, you know, don't have the plans or aren't aren't participating in plans because that's not where they're putting their money in or, or, or don't have those net benefits or any of their employees, right? Um, yeah, so, I guess I mean, that... That's a large part of America as well. I guess that just surprised me because even if you're working for a small business, you could still be personally contributing to an IRA. Or if you are the small business owner or you have your own business, you could be contributing to SEP IRA, which is like, has, you know, some great benefits and is, you can put a lot of money in there. Right. Yeah. That's actually a really great program. If you're new to listening to the podcast and you're, you are a small business owner, please look into like the SEP IRAs because that's a, that's a really powerful tool for you. Yeah. That's definitely a great thing to look into and invest in. 
Um, so actually, today we are going to be talking about investing in general. So this will be our third investing episode we've done. So I guess investing 301. Um, but this is actually our most popular series. Well, good. I mean, there's a lot of opportunity here. A lot of people should be interested in investing. And um, right, if you're a new listener for, or if you've listened to a couple of the previous episodes about investing, right, uh, please feel free to ask us questions. You know, we, we love to answer questions both on the podcast and on the side. And we just are really excited to get more people involved and on the right track um, in, in, you know, getting to the financial freedom uh, part of their lives, right? For sure. And, you know, like nothing would make me happier than if I can pull this statistic next year and see that it went from like 50% of Americans being invested to 51%, right? Like, that's great. Like the more people we can get on board with this. Um, So in the past, we've talked about like the basics of investing and how if the market goes down, like don't freak out and pull all your money out, right? And to just kind of like let it ride. And we've talked about the magic of compound interest and We've even tried to break down the differences between buying a stock versus buying a mutual fund versus buying an index fund, mm-hmm. um, which just a re- quick recap, you know, stocks are one company, mutual funds combined a bunch of stocks and merge all the interest, and index funds take that kind of a step further by being like, instead of picking the stocks we're going to take, we're just going to mimic, you know, like the S&P 500 and we're going to charge you lower fees to do that. Right. Um, but today, I didn't really want to talk as much about the, you know, how it works or why you should do it. But more about the, if somebody is like, okay, you know, you already sold me. I'm interested in this. How do I do it? How do I invest in the stock market? Uh, you just go to stockmarket.com, right? And just put all your investments in one basket. Yeah. <laughs> Stockmarket.com. You heard it here first. Um, But I think this is a really genuine question because I remember when I was in middle school, we did a we did a stock market simulation in class where we got to, you know, pick all of our stocks and we had like a two month period and whoever this was the best, whoever won the stock market simulation got a like giant tub of cheese puffs. (laughs) <laughs> and I've never wanted anything so badly in my life. So I'm going home and I'm learning all about the stock market and how to analyze stocks. And of course, I won the cheese puffs. Of course I did. Uh, very determined. Um, but I remember like going home after that and being like, well, that was really fun to do. But like, how would I do that? And as I got into high school and I, you know, started working my own job, that kept kind of nagging me is like, you always hear about the stock exchange in New York, right? And going going to the stock exchange. And I was like, so do I just go there? Like, do I just show up? And I'm like, hello, I want to buy a stock, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because back in the day, that that is actually how they put orders in, right? You had to go to the floor and you had to raise your little hand in there. Well, they were yeah, buying and selling tickets with one another in the, in the floors. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're a little bit more advanced than that. So luckily, by the time I got to college and I was, you know, actually really invested, interested in investing some money, my dad was able to help me get some mutual funds. Um, for those of you that haven't listened to past episodes, my dad is a financial planner. And that was really cool for me. But I kind of wanted to share with y'all, you know, how you might go about doing that. So that is one path, is to find a financial advisor who maybe he's independent, maybe he works for a company, but 
you know, that person could take your money and put it into the stock market. That right. is one option. And there's there's a lot of products and services and service offerings and different funds that you can be a part of that you can really only be a part of through those resources, right? Um, there's, right there, like, I think Foresters is a good example where it's very difficult for me to, or impossible for me to do anything myself. I would always have to go through one of their partnered financial planners to mm-hmm. invest with their products. Yep. So, right, so that's that's pros and cons of, of that scenario. But, um, it, right, it's not always a great idea to do that. It's not always a bad idea to do that, right? It just makes, it depends on whether it makes sense for you. And there are a lot of really good advantages of using a financial planner, even though they're, right they're not going to just be some guy that just like steals fees away from you um and then you can do it yourself without them um just depends on where you're comfortable with i think for a lot of people that is a a really good choice because then they won't get scared of the market and just like take it out and honestly for the you know i think sometimes it's hard for me because i do a lot of this myself at this point but i've been invested in mutual funds for 10 years now And I think the other big thing is for the 50% of you that are listening that are not, that do not participate in the stock market at all right now, that you should get some help, right? Like the first time you do anything, it's really hard to like go it alone and be successful. But having somebody on your team who is making sure you're invested in the right thing, that is going to set you up for long-term success. So even if you have to pay a fee for that, it is well worth it to like get on the right track. Um, so, but what if you don't want to do that, right? What are some other options? Well, Vanguard is something, a website we've talked about before on the podcast and where we've, you know, I actually always say, oh, well, I'm doing things for the podcast. And this year we started a Vanguard experiment where we got to open a Vanguard account and I got to go through that process all in the name of podcast research, of course. <laughs> of course. Um, But it's been interesting to open that. So something I did want to bring up is when you're going through Vanguard or an agent, a lot of times you need to hit a certain minimum to be able to invest in a mutual fund. So those minimums usually range between $500 and $5,000. And that can kind of help you figure out where you might want to end up too, because, you know, that's a big discrepancy, 500 to 5,000, right? 10 uh-huh. times the amount. Oh, yeah. So if you're if you save up $500 and you don't want to wait, you know, another year or two to get the 5,000, then you want to make sure you're finding a fund that can accommodate that. Um, so we invested in Vanguard at the beginning of this year and the fund we selected had a $1,000 minimum. Um, but one thing I did want to mention is when we hit $10,000 in that fund, the fee will actually drop about a 10 basis points, which is one-tenth of a percent. Okay. So the more money that you put into those accounts, the lower the fees will be over time. Yes. That's a lot of a lot of those um, different products and different companies use a model similar to that. That's correct. And, you know, if you are new to the podcast, I recommend that you check out our financial vocabulary because we talk about front-end load versus back-end loads. Um, and those will also kind of change with how much money you have, but it's different from everybody, you know? So there's, there's American funds, there's Chase has their own, you know, investing, um, Ally does investing now. We bank through Ally. We've recommended Ally a lot. They do investments now as well. 
it seems like everybody's kind of getting their skin in the game. Right. I'm sure in three weeks from now, Amazon's going to announce their own stock market or stock exchange. So they, they're dabbling in everything. Every every other week, it's a new story nowadays. So Yeah. Um, so let's say, you know, you you started looking at your options and you're like, you know, I just don't have that minimum, I want, but I want to get started in investing. You can actually use Robinhood. So that's another app that I started using purely for podcast research. <laughs> um, but, you know, I threw $100 on it and I just started trading stocks. Um, but I've also learned from using it that you don't have to just trade stocks. You can also trade mutual funds. I will say the difficult thing about using Robinhood is you have to put a lot of your research in ahead of time so that you can just type in the ticker symbol of what you want to purchase. There's versus like American Funds or Vanguard or Ally or Betterment that are other investing platforms where you can like click on a fund and learn a lot more about it and learn about all the, you know, when you click on a mutual fund, it'll show you, okay, we buy shares of Apple, we buy shares of Disney, we buy shares of whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it'll show you past historical performance of, you know, last year we earned 20%, but on average over the past 10 years, we've earned 7%. And you can see all of that fund history. You cannot do that on Robinhood. It is just whatever, you know, stick ticker symbol you have, you type in and you can purchase it or not. Okay. So does that mean if I want to buy Apple stock, I would I could use Robinhood very effectively to do that because I know I want to do that. Correct. And I don't care what their previous returns are. I just want to invest in that. Right. GM, you know, was a historical one also. You know, my grandma invested a ton of money into GM because they believed in the company. Right. That was the model back in the day. I don't know how many people do that today. Um, but right, if, if that's the model. Can you invest in the mutual funds that way also? You can. They, they do have some mutual funds. They have um, some Vanguard mutual funds offered through their app. And they do not charge any transaction fees. Mm-hmm. So when you go to buy a stock, you know, you just buy it for the price that they have it on the app. And you agree to buy it for that price. And then when you want to sell it, you sell it for the price they see. And they might pad those prices a little bit to bake in some type of fees, but you do not pay any additional fee on that sale or purchase. Right. And so that's the benefit there. And I know they offer a crypto option as well for people that are interested in that. Um, so they're, they're, they, I think last week I got an email about the announcement for it was available in Michigan now. And I think they're rolling it out state by state to be able to trade crypto on their platform. But um, so now that's a great low fee option for that as an alternative to a lot of, uh, you know, the more shadier exchanges. Yeah. But in general, you know, I don't recommend people invest in stocks or crypto if they don't have a mutual fund first. Right. Mutual funds are much safer vehicles for investment. Individual stocks are fairly risky and cryptocurrency is extremely risky. So, right, just based on your preferences of where your risk adversity is, um, that's kind of the order of operations. Yeah. Um, And so, but, you know, they do have mutual funds through Robinhood. But if you like, so if you want a mutual fund and you're like, I want an index fund, um, I would just go ahead and research it, you know, via Google Finance or Vanguard first and then know that symbol that you need to type in to get it. Um, so what about some other really popular ones like Fidelity or um, what are some of the other, TD Ameritrade or anything like that? Anything you see 
E-Trade, anything you see big Super Bowl ads for, right? Um, are those good ones to use as well? Are there pros and cons to using those? So I'm sure, as with anything, there's pros and cons to using them. Um, you know, a lot of them are going to have different fee structures, and they're going to have, you know, different kind of rule, you know, not not just front-end or back-end fees, but different annual fees. It's just really important to keep all of that in mind when you're signing up for one. Um, you know, we personally, we have American funds that we got through our financial advisor years ago, um, and that has a front-end fee, and then you know, no back-end fee or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we also use Vanguard, which has very, very, very low annual fees. Probably Vanguard is my number one recommendation if people want to go it alone. Outside of that, I think if you're trying to go it alone, you should, or, or if you want to get invested in the stock market, you should probably just find an advisor because they're going to kind of sell you on, you know, which platform you should be using outside of that, whether it's Fidelity or or whatever, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, they'll, they'll, they'll have all the pros and cons for all the different platforms and the different products available on there. That's what they do. That's what yeah. they specialize in. Um, that's a, a little bit over the top for, for one little podcast episode here. That's a, It's a, <laughs> such a wide variety of products, and they're all just kind of a little bit different, but they're all kind of the same. So Yeah. yeah. Well, and there's like E-Trade and Betterment. I know Betterment's thing is they sell like literally the same Vanguard stocks that you can get on Vanguard, but they you know, do tax loss harvesting for you. And uh, that's all well and good, whether it's worth it for you. You know, you kind of have to plug your numbers into the situation. Honestly, I think it makes it sometimes a little complex where I tell people, even if you're paying a little bit more in fees, if you find a platform that you think looks good and you understand it, and most importantly, you are investing the money, then whatever, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, honestly, even if you're paying these some a little bit higher fees to have a, an easy service or to use an advisor, you're still doing better than being too scared to get your first dollar invested. Right. So that's a, that's a good point too, is when are you uh, doing the right thing by investing in the market? And, and I mean, should I be gaming the market all the time? Should I be trying to time the market? Should I be buying low and selling high and, uh, or I guess, uh, Selling high and buying low. Would buying be the, low and selling high <laughs> would be the preferred approach. Um, uh, or no. should, right? Who's who's winning in this scenario? Who's the who's the winningest so, of the investors? Warren Buffett is the man. The winningest, right? Yeah, He's yeah. the man, and he said, "If he came out recently and said, you know, if you would have invested ten thousand dollars in the stock market during World War Two, not well in a in an index fund during World War Two, you'd be worth." $10 million right now or something crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so Warren Buffett, a man who has made billions and billions of dollars in the stock market, playing the stock market game, said the single best thing you can do is to just invest in a mutual fund. Right, so and he, leave it there. And leave it there. And he's a guy who has bought and sold countless throughout his career. And he, his advice is to buy and hold. Um, we are a podcast for the average Joe. We are not a podcast for the highest income earners. My advice to you is to get on a investment plan of I will save, you know, two hundred dollars a month and keep doing it. Just put that two hundred dollars in each and every month. Throw it in there. Don't think about it. And in ten years, look at that statement and thank me. 
honestly, yeah. I mean, that's the best advice. Right. Whether the market goes up or down, don't be afraid. Don't be, it's going to crash. Don't worry about it. Right. Don't try and pull the money out when it's on the downswing. Just let it ride. Right. Yeah. Let it just, if you don't need the money tomorrow, leave it in there until you're ready to take it out in 10 years from now for whatever the plan is for that money. And right. Just, it doesn't matter what happens between now and then. Yeah. Right. So what advice would you give people who say, that sounds great at all, but I just can't save any money to invest? Well, that's a whole different problem, right? Um, I mean, managing your spending and, I mean, so there's two, two sides to that coin, right? There's you make enough money, right, in the first place that you are have the ability to save. And then there's the effectiveness that you are saving that money, mm-hmm. right? So you you can't really, unless you just go out and get another job or do some side hustle or something like that, right? You're not going to increase your income stream uh, overnight. Um, but you can manage your spending more effectively right now. Yeah. You can do that today. You can do it for tomorrow. You can get better at it the day after that, right? And that's where all of your, your money comes from. But, and again, none of this is endorsed or paid. Have you heard of Acorns? Um, I thrown them before <laughs> yep i've okay. seen squirrels steal them no so it's kind of like digit um which i used to use years ago but basically what acorn is is it takes your spare change so if you go to the gas station and it's 21.73 it'll take that extra 27 cents and round your purchase up to 22 and it'll invest your spare change okay so it's a, a passive um, investment system, something yeah. like that. So, you know, I actually used this in college. What I used was called Digit, um, and it would do a similar thing, but it also learned my paychecks and behaviors, and it, it would go beyond that. And instead of just rounding up the 27 cents, it'd be like, you know, I know Angela, and she has enough money, so I'm going to take $3.27, and she'll never notice it. And I did this for two, three years, and then I looked at it and I had like, I don't know, $1,000 or something, which was awesome because it was a time in my life where I had all these medical bills and I had just, I just found $1,000 to like pay my medical bills, you know? <laughs> so it was, it was really cool. Um, but I think this is a great thing for a lot of people. Um, you know, we've, we're crazy. We've gotten to the point where we optimize our expenses. We set aside how much we want to save and it's just on autopilot. We don't think about it. Every paycheck, we have a certain amount that goes into our investment. But for people who, you know, are just starting out, this is what I use and this is a great thing. So basically you can just sign up for something like this and then it'll round your purchases up. And before you know it, like, you know, you're investing in the stock market and you don't even really have to think about it. Absolutely. Or, I mean, for people that don't have, this is super powerful for people that don't have like direct deposit where you can like just funnel your money directly into an investment account right from your paycheck. Right. Right. This is, you know, passively, it's taking the the mentality that is making it hard for people to save in the first place and turning it into an advantage. Right. So there, if you're not worried about buying that coffee, right, because you don't think about it and you just do it every day and whatever. Right. You don't care uh, there. That's where your money goes at the end of the month because you've just done it so many times. Well, now you've just accidentally invested um, into accounts that are going to be benefiting you by doing that same activity. Yeah. You know, I think it would be funny because I like I said, I've done a lot of these experiments in the name of the podcast. And um, I thought about signing up for Acorn and then I was like, we would 
we would never have money go to that. Because <laughs> there are probably weeks that we don't spend any money. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're at that point, I think, now is we usually only spend money on groceries or planned purchases that we, like, know we're going to buy. Yeah. And, and strategically, like, look at and research. and. But when we, you know, fast or rewind, you know, five years when I was still in college or we were living in Chicago and we were going out a lot more, this would have been great. Oh, absolutely. Like when you're going yeah. out, when you're 21 and I remember I turned 21 and I was going out to the bar most weekends. Like you don't think about it. You're like, okay, I'm going to buy some drinks and you don't think about how much it is. And if it would have rounded my purchase up, I would have never known. And I, you know, I like, and that's basically what I did in college, right? I used Digit. And like I said, I had a thousand dollars several years later that I didn't even really think about. Right. You're giving yourself a tip basically. Yeah. You know, instead of, instead of giving somebody extra you know, 15% tip out going out to eat at a restaurant, you're giving yourself, you know, maybe 16%, but you get to keep that 1%. Exactly. Um, so I want to touch on a couple more notes here. So, you know, another thing that some people like to invest in is like government bonds, right? Government backed bonds. Um, if you want to invest in that, the the best way that I found is to go to like treasurydirect.com. Um, I do not have any experience with this. We do not keep bonds really in our portfolio at this point because we are young and very, very risky, more importantly. Um, I think a lot of young people probably have more bonds than we might. You mean older people? Even younger people. I I think younger people probably usually aim for like 5 to 20% bonds depending on their riskiness level, and we've cranked that down to zero. (laughs) So... Um, you know, that that's an option or, you know, through any of these platforms that I've mentioned, the Fidelities, the, um, you know, Chase accounts or allies or wherever you are investing money, you can also choose instead of stock heavy mutual funds, you can invest in a bond heavy mutual fund. So that's a that's a way to diversify your portfolio. And, you know, for people investing in their 401ks, you can actually choose target select funds what i mean by that is you can choose the year that you think you're going to retire so if you think i'm going to retire 20 years from now in 2040 then you can choose that fund and they will rebalance it for you over time to make sure it's conservative enough even conservative enough for your age which is pretty cool um the last piece of investing i wanted to talk about is what seems to be a very hot topic right now, which we've also done like a separate series of that we should continue, but real estate and investing in real estate and how to do that. Okay. And whether it's the right choice for people to do or not in the first place. Uh, I don't think we're going to get into that <laughs> point on this podcast. I think that'll be a separate episode. Um, but really just how do I invest in real estate? Um, buying a house is not an investment. I've said that before. Um, buying a house, that's your home. That's You're not doing it to like make this great return. If you want to invest in real estate, that's usually going to be real estate, rental properties, or flips. Right. But there is a magical solution for those of you that live in areas with really bad real estate numbers. You can invest in REIT funds which is basically just real estate portfolios that they package up and sell as mutual funds. So you can get real estate exposure without having to 
buy a property that isn't actually a good rental. So if a mutual fund is a group of individual stock portfolios grouped together, what is in those REIT funds? Is it just invest a group of investors got together the money goes toward like people pulling out hard money loans usually the money goes towards like actual owning a physical property okay so you might own a share of a property in new york or wherever um and you know as they make money on that unit you are an investor in that so you get your like a rental complex or something Mm -hmm. like that okay not somebody's like house that they sold like some bank sold a house to somebody right okay so it's on on money making uh retail investments or um typically yeah yeah. and there's different funds out there doing kind of different things but you know that's usually my advice to people who say well i want i want to diversify so i want some real estate exposure um look at reits that's a great way to get real estate exposure without Jumping all, you know, jumping in with both feet into the deep end and buying a rental unit because, and like I said, we'll do a whole other episode about this, but I've heard so many people tell me lately, well, if I can buy a house and charge rent to cover the mortgage, then that's a good deal. And that is the biggest myth I have ever heard in my entire life as somebody who is a landlord. And a homeowner. And a homeowner. Yeah. Right. So... Um, and like I said, we'll cover that in a different one. But if you do want that real estate exposure, there are some great REIT funds out there. I know Vanguard has a couple different ones. Um, and, but you know, I also think don't sweat it. If you don't have a ton of real estate exposure, like by, by buying any other mutual fund, you're going to have very diverse companies anyways. You know, you're going to be well diversified no matter what with almost any mutual fund. Right. And if the market crashes right and you're scared about being invested in the market in the first place or you have, you know, hesitations about getting involved in this entire world, you know, from the get-go, you'll be okay, right? People are, are scared of, like, the market going down and they're they're watching, like, the, the digits tick on the screen if the market goes down a little bit, right? Just don't worry about it. Just leave it in there. It'll be fine. It's going to go back up. It has always gone back up, right? It will continue to go back up. Or the world will explode, right? And then you don't need to worry about money anyway. Yeah, I mean, if the stock market goes to zero, that's literally never happened in, you know, over 100 years. So if it does, like, we're all screwed. Right. Well, I guess only 50%, 50% of us. Right? The other 50% is hiding their money in a tin can in the backyard. So. <laughs> Something like that. That's right. But I don't know that that would be safe. Like... I guess if all of us in the stock market lose all of our money, aren't we going to go find the people that are hiding the money in their drywall and the walls of their house and just start, like, ripping it down and stealing their money? Yeah, yeah, we're just going to come up with something else that's valuable. If everybody loses interest in paper money and 50% of people don't have it anymore, then it's not going to be a very valuable currency. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I took a sustainability class in college, and um, that professor was a little nuts, and he thought that what was going to be valuable was trees. So we have some in the backyard. I think we'll be okay. That's right. We need to get some fruit trees, maybe. Even more valuable. But. Yeah. All right. Enough doomsday scenario talk. <laughs> but. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. If you have any questions about investing, feel free to reach out. I will drop all of our contact information in. And we really do love to hear from you guys. So keep the questions coming. Feel free to reach out. Um, we love it. 
Yep. Great. Thanks, guys. Don't forget to and um, take a screenshot and send it over to Ange for the for the $50 giveaway. Yeah, that's right. All right. Thanks, guys. Hey, guys. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Money in the Bank. Make sure to subscribe to us on the iTunes or Stitcher app so that you get weekly alerts every time we post a podcast. Or if you want, you can visit my website, moneyinthebankpodcast.com. And if you want to reach out with any questions or further comments, please email me at angie at moneyinthebankpodcast.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Money in the bank.